Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on which time you're listening to this podcast. I'm going to be speaking on the topic of law and grace and the leading of the Holy Spirit, uh, with a focus on this week, understanding law and grace, and a focus on the next podcast, whether it's next week or tomorrow, uh, on the aspect of being led of the Holy Spirit. So there are two basic scriptures which you can mark in your Bible that I'm going to be using uh, for this uh, teaching. And the first one is Romans 6.14. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. And the second one is Romans 8.3. For what the Lord was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. So if we were to read Romans 6.14 in a different way, let me put it like this. In order for sin not to be your master, you must operate under grace and not under law. Because the law is powerless to deliver you from your sinful nature. We must not underestimate the difficulty of embracing and explaining this concept. Even for Paul, who had a revelation from Jesus of this profound truth regarding these subjects, it took him an extraordinary amount of time trying to communicate the understanding of these subjects particularly with regard to their relationship to one another. The relationship between these uh, still remains somewhat difficult, even for mature believers to grasp. And the reason for this is that the natural interaction between human beings is one that is often based on law more than it is on grace. So hopefully I can explain this concept as simply as possible, And by the end of it, hopefully you have a a, a little bit of a better understanding and revelation of how these two work together. Now, everything we discuss regarding law and grace has to do with acceptance. What makes us acceptable to God and to one another? And whether that acceptance is one that is based on grace or law. So let's read Genesis 3, 7 to 8. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. and They hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. This first thing we learn, sin makes us unacceptable to God and to one another. And this is absolutely unavoidable. There's an unavoidable consequence of sin. And the consequence is not always immediately apparent. So for some, there is this idea that they want to be acceptable to God despite what they do. And they interpret God as love this way. Their failure must be overlooked because, after all, no one is perfect. Like Adam and Eve, they shift the blame elsewhere. The wife you gave me made me do it. The snake you made, God, made me do it. Or the upbringing I had is what caused this. Or 
etc., etc., etc. So this is one uh, grouping of people that uh, want to uh, try and be acceptable but without taking responsibility for what they have done. The other are those that want to be acceptable based on what they do, sewing fig leaves together. They interpret God as loving in that they are really trying to do what God has called them to do. While they know they can't be absolutely perfect, they generally measure themselves as more perfect than those around them, and they're more more acceptable. So fig leaves are our attempt to make ourselves acceptable to God and to man. And some use the law this way, and we see this with the Pharisees. So in both these instances, the same problem actually emerges. The avoiding of responsibility of failure. Primarily because the acknowledgement of failure is a reason for rejection. And so we must remember this because many Christians feel the acknowledgement of their failure is living under law, which in actual fact it's not. Taking responsibility is not living under law. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. That was the first scripture we talked about, we wanted to discuss. So law equals everything written in scripture, showing us what sin is, its cause, its consequence, and how it is dealt with. And the hope of what things will be when it is finally dealt with particularly as it pertains to our relationship with God and one another. So that's a little bit of a summary. Obviously, it's not a completely inclusive thing, but that's what the law is when we understand the law, everything to do in the Scripture, what sin is, its cause, its consequence, and how it is dealt with, and the hope of what things will be when it is dealt with, particularly as it pertains to our relationship with God and with one another. Grace... I've put it this way, is the activity of God in the cleansing of people, something they aren't able to do for themselves, in order to restore relationship with himself and with one another so that they can live in the fullness of his blessing. And that's what grace is. So regarding the law, what we know, and I think it is important to understand because a lot of people, a lot of believers get mixed up and they don't, if they look at the Ten Commandments or any commandments of God, they kind of feel like if we acknowledge the law or, or live according to the law, um, and I, we'll discuss how that, what, how that works, that somehow law is a bad thing. So let's avoid it, let's avoid reading it. You know, if somebody quotes the Ten Commandments, then they say, well, we shouldn't be quoting the Ten Commandments because we're no longer under law, but under grace. A misquote, a misquote of that scripture, by the way, which we'll get to later on. Uh, the first thing that we read about in Romans 7, 14, and I'm just going to uh, say what the Bible says about the law, what Paul speaks about the law. He says that the law is spiritual. That's in Romans 7, 14. He also says that the law is holy and the commandments are holy, righteous, and good. This is Romans 7, 12. Thirdly, he says the purpose of the law is to make us know what sin is. And this is its primary purpose. Now, we must remember that as we go into grace, is that the primary purpose of the law is to make us 
know what sin is. And in Romans 7, 7, it says, Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. And we'll get this to this a little bit later, but we this is one of the Ten Commandments. So we know particularly what it's speaking about. Observation, and this is important from Romans 8, 2-3. And this is the a point that Paul makes. Observation, looking at commandments and trying as best as possible to implement them, observation of the law is powerless to change us because of our sinful nature. That's very important. In fact, Paul indicates that the observation of the law has exactly the opposite effect. Romans 7, 8, But sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of covetous desire, for apart from the law sin is dead. Don't touch produces in us a greater desire to touch. Now, this was the single greatest revelation to Martin Luther and what instigated the Reformation, I believe. And there was this transformation that happened when he realized that by just simply looking at the law, that was not powerful enough to change who he was. Had the desire to change, as many people do, but are incapable of changing. And the more that they observe the law, the less they find that they're able to fill it. So looking at the Ten Commandments to lead you is like a New Year's resolution. It does not work. So if we take the Ten Commandments as something that is going to lead us and feel like, okay, if I observe the Ten Commandments every single day, that means, and that I'm always observing the Ten Commandments, that that actually is going to bring me salvation. It won't. That It's like a New Year's resolution. How many of us have made New Year's resolutions, and they are small, but they actually, we, are, we fail them virtually in the first week that we actually put them together. So, lastly, the law is not meant to lead us. The words not under law means under the leadership of the law. All right. So Romans 7, 6 says this, But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. All right. So we see that actually Paul was saying that now that grace has come through Jesus Christ, is that we serve in a new way, not by observing the commandments, but by being led by the Spirit. And we'll get into that later. But there is a shift of focus. And I think that that perhaps is one of the most important things that we can learn from this, is that we are shifting our focus away from a focus of attention on the commandments. That doesn't mean that we mustn't know the commandments because we don't know what sin is unless we read it. But our focus and our attention is moving away from that to be led somewhere else. So that is important to know. Regarding grace, so and I will speak more about this in the next podcast, but just in brief, grace is a gift of God and it cannot be earned, as it says in Ephesians 2, 8. Excuse my phone for a moment. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. 
And then Romans 8, 1 to 4 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by my sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. When we live by, with faith in the blood of Jesus cleansing us and making us acceptable to God, with a focus on the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit, that power cleanses us. All right? Power cleanses us. So grace is the activation of faith, which places our faith not in our own ability to actually cleanse ourselves or be cleansed, but it places our faith in Jesus Christ and His power and the power of the Spirit to cleanse us. And that, as I said, we will speak about next week in greater detail. Now, there are three important words we need to know when discussing law and grace. Um, and many of you who have been a Christian for a while should know these. Uh, we understand that nothing impure can come before or come into the presence of God. Uh, nothing can, because God is holy, and nothing impure can come into His presence. Uh, we have to be cleansed, which happens only by the blood of Jesus Christ, to be acceptable to God. So there is no other way to come before God, a holy God, unless we ourselves are holy. And this is, is a profound difference between Christianity and every other religion. There is no other religion in the world that gets the person to the point of perfection to stand before a holy God. If the requirement is holiness to stand before God, then actually no other religion gives any person the ability to get there. Everybody knows that, the, that every person is imperfect. Nobody has become perfect. So Jesus Christ came down and he did that for us. He made us perfect. So we stand before God the Father clean because of what Jesus Christ did. Now, that is a past tense. It's what Jesus has already done. And we use this word justification just as if I've never sinned. Though we have, God doesn't see us that way because of what Christ Jesus has done. So justification, he made us acceptable. So here's that acceptance. How can we be acceptable to a holy God? Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So past tense, Jesus died, we have been cleansed, and now we can approach the Father with confidence, not based on our own perfection, but on the perfection of Jesus Christ and us placing our faith in that sacrifice that he made. Then the second one is sanctification. And this is a process of being made acceptable to God. And with 1 Thessalonians 4.3 it says, It is God will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. It's speaking about a specific sin. And this is a present continuum tense. While we have been cleansed, that, is a, that has been done uh, uh, when Jesus Christ died and when we placed our faith in him, we activated that blood so that we could actually stand before the Father. And the Father, when we come before him with boldness, as it says in Hebrews, 
God sees us through the blood of Jesus. But all of us know that we are not yet perfect. And so there is a process of being sanctified, actually being, being perfected. In other words, we become more clean, if it were. And that's a present continuing tense. While we have been cleansed, we are still in the process of being cleansed. Without the justification past tense, we would not be able to approach the Father because we are still in the process of being cleansed. We are not completely clean yet. So in essence, if you have a holy God and you aren't clean yet, you cannot approach Him now. So the only way we can approach God now is if He had made some provision that we could stand before Him in perfection, which He did through the blood of Jesus. As I said, no other religion actually has that uh, uh, actually has that understanding. And most religions are in this place of sanctification, being made acceptable. But that means that they have the possibility only in the future of becoming acceptable to God. It's not something that they can walk in at presently. All right. And then the third thing is this aspect of glorification, which means we will fully live in the acceptance of God. That's something that's going to happen in the future. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And when we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So glorification is future tense. Glorification is a future position where we will be completely perfect and no perfection will be in us. All right? So there is the sense which of expectation for us that are in the process of being cleansed, having been cleansed, we will be completely cleansed. hope that makes sense. Just a comment though. Glorification is a result of a person being sanctified, and sanctification is a result of a person having been justified. Now this is very important. Sanctification, the present process of being cleansed, is the true measure that justification has taken place and glorification will take place. In other words, somebody that isn't actually changing, they're not, they're not becoming purer, if you could call it. As the word says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. In other words, they're not working into a sinner, sinner-less life. Then there is a question on whether a person's been justified. Because justification, the faith in justification will bring about sanctification. And then sanctification will actually bring about glorification. So these concepts are very important to understand.